When the storms of life are raging, when the winds of pain and the rains of difficulty are pouring, is there a shelter to which I can run? Is there any safety amidst the barrage of stress and anxiety that so often fills our hearts? Is there any support or covering for my weakness? For we all fall short in so many ways. Is there recourse for my lack of resource? Is there provision still hidden with which to be reinforced? Shall I be swallowed up in fear? The fears that chase me relentlessly as a shadow is lengthened by the day? When I see calamity and devastation unceasing in our time? When my own eyes see terror in operation? When my own heart is torn by what I see occur? Shall I be torn altogether? When the things that I thought were immovable crumble and fall with ease, shall not my very own heart quake in like manner? When only with sincerity the question is asked, where is God? in this. When my own strength dries up, when I am thirsty beyond repair, from where can the heart be replenished and renewed when it is spent? Please, show me the well that one may journey to in order to be refreshed. When I ask where is God, I'm asking will he notice me? Will he see me? Will he know the state of his people for their walk is hindered by the same darkness as the rest? Their lives indifferent where passion is imprisoned by comfort. Where is the refuge? Where is the city built on solid ground? Does hope Grow here. Tell me if you know and take me to the place where the paths are made firm. Take me to the city whose wall still stands, where the watchmen still keep their post in the night and bring warning to the people. Take me to where the ground is still fit for planting. Please bring me to where the garden grows in the wilderness. Instead, I see weapons increase and wars abound. When the nations drink deeply from the cup of greed and pride, can hope, even hope, be sincere? Can peace, even peace, survive? Who alone can save? Who alone can save? 
And now Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord, surely you see us and you know us. You know our state and our frame, and yet you love us. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, that you would be exalted with these words and that your people here with me would know the victory and the triumph you are. Help me to show them, Lord, that you have overcome the world and that in you there is hope, hope unshakable, because hope grows here. Amen. Hope grows here. Hope grows here. Hope, the common definition of hope is that it's merely a feeling of expectation. Hope is simply a desire for a certain thing to happen. Like, I hope it's nice on Tuesday. It's supposed to be 12 degrees. There's nothing wrong with that definition of hope, but the hope that I am talking about today is next level hope. Everybody say next level. It runs deeper, it spans wider, its depth and its breadth reach beyond the earthly and the temporal. I'm referring to a hope that is greater, but not because our ability to hope is greater, but because the object of our hope is greater. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Romans 8, through 25 say this about hope. We know that the whole creation 
has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. For who hopes what they already have? Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Here Paul is telling the Roman church that absolutely everything in all of creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the planets, the people, everything is yearning and longing for the day of the Lord. That the manifestations we see and the emptiness we observe within us is the result of God's creation not yet being what we will be. And this longing and this groaning, the aspiration and the expectation of our lives is to be with Christ, is produced by the Spirit of the living God that is alive within us. The hope we have is because of the Spirit alive in us. Is that your hope today? The Spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. One of the most, if not the most, empirically verifiable facts on this side of life is sin. It permeates the fabric of our lives. It hinders our relationships. It robs, it steals, it destroys, it kills. One doesn't live very long on this side of life before the nature and effects of sin run their course. The effects show up in our lives. And, their co- and the consequences of sin state their claims on us. Thank you, Pastor. That's an encouraging word today. What can we do? We can hope. We still have hope. Hope remains. That's why I know that hope, as the scripture describes, is nothing short of charismatic activity. We can hope in what God will do because of what God has already done. When all is said and done, and though the earth be removed, 1 Corinthians 13.13 says, These three remain faith, hope, and love. Hope remains. You know, working with people, and in particular as a pastor, there's a tendency to be involved in the lives of people at some of the more pivotal points in their lives. When they're born, when they get married, if they get married, when challenges come, when they're sick, in the hospital, and when they die. I can tell you that one of the most significant factors that affect the lives of people, that changes perspective and outcome and results, is directly related to whether or not they have hope. Doctors know this, that hope is the difference maker. 
as the end draws near, I can tell you with certainty that now more than ever, we are at war. There, uh, there is a war going on. There is a battle that is raging, and the battle is for your heart. The question always is, shall we give our hearts to despair or shall we hold fast to hope? The difference is, do we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, our hope? Now, please know the hope found in Christ, I'm not, I'm not saying it's just a superficial psychological strategy, a religious crutch that denies what is real and true. But hope is a calling to trust that God will do what he said he will do. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You see, the fight is a fight of faith. And we are called to live by faith, not by sight. That is why Paul prays that with our hearts we would see. With our hearts, we would hope. In Ephesians 4.4, it says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Hope is the calling to live in expectation and anticipation that God will keep his promise to you. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 say this, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. And 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 affirm the same. Now it is God who makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We can hope in what God will do because of what God has already done. And if God has made you taste of the Holy Spirit, if you are holding that, de that blessed deposit in your heart, you can stand on that and believe that God will keep his promise to you. Our foundation then is secure. Our strength is sure. Our hope is unshakable because our hope is in the Lord. The reason why I shout this morning, the reason why I speak this way is because the voice of Scripture ought to be the voice that resonates in your heart and in your mind. The greatest voice in your life should not come from the TV. What comes through the news media or what comes from Instagram. Let me ask you this morning and be honest with yourself, what voice is at home in your heart and mind? Is it the voice of the Word of God? Or another voice? Is it the voice of fear? Is it the voice of confusion? 
the voice of hate? Is it worry? Church, I love you. The spirit of fear is not from God. Second Timothy 1.7, King James style. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. John 16.33, Jesus said this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So when we say hope grows here, there's probably a pamphlet in front of you that says that. What are we talking about? Where is here? Where is here? When we say hope grows here, what are we talking about? Is it the building? Is it the new one? Is it the organization? Is it the local economy? Is it your bank account? Your job, your achievements? Those are all good things. But if we place our hope in them, we can easily see how they fall short of what God intends for us in Christ. They're great things. But if we place our hope in them, we can see how they fall short of what God intends for you and for me in Christ. So where does hope grow? Hope is given to us in the form of the promises of God. For example, there's a promise that says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is going to finish what he started. He will complete what he began. He is going to provide for your needs. God is going to supply you with the provision of his presence so that on every occasion, in every circumstance, God, by his spirit, is with you at every turn. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will keep his promise. He will deliver you because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. The act of God, stay with me, the act of God in Christ has not only paid the full penalty of your sin, but by his death and resurrection, Christ has given all of us access into the presence of God. Right here, right now. I'm going to have some coffee. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, there is peace. In his presence, there is hope and fullness and wholeness and health and blessing and truth and glory. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is 
That's why it says in Ephesians 1, 1 to 3, bless God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Again, he not only forgave you, but he equipped you with the Holy Spirit. The spirit of him who overcame the world. He not only made a way, but continues to make a way. And now we can testify that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, the reason we can hope in the promise of God is only because of the spirit of God at work in us. Hope is not the result of what occurs on the outside of you, but is the result of the work of God within you. That's good. There is a river. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. When the systems of this world are collapsing, we have a resource that will never run out. We have a light that cannot be put out despite the darkness. The hope we have is untouchable, incorruptible, imperishable. I'm looking for another word here. Help me out. Enduring and everlasting. We have access to the river of life in the presence of Almighty God. I want to take a little bit of a closer look at what Scripture says about the river. Ezekiel 47, 9 and 12 says this. It will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live. And there will be many fish, for these waters go there, and the other waters become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. That's good. Everything where the river goes will live. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fall. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Ezekiel wrote down this vision of a river that flowed from the temple of God. Let me ask you, church, where is the temple of God today? 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Now something else that is awesome about the vision of his, that Ezekiel sees is that John has the exact same vision. In the book of Revelation, the last chapter of the book, chapter 22 Verse 1 and 2, we read this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. It's the same vision. Ezekiel saw it, John saw it. In John 4, 10 and 14, Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. But whoever drinks the water I give him 
will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fount of water springing up to eternal life. Again, later in John 7, 37 and 38, Jesus stood up at the feast and said this, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from where? From within them. That's good news. Unfortunately, too often, I put myself in this category as well. It's level ground in the house of God. All too often, we have access to the presence of God. But we look to the things of this world to comfort us. To refresh us and to provide a semblance of hope. When the truth is that nothing in this world can provide you or I what God intended his presence to supply. Can I say that again? The truth is that nothing in this world, nothing in this world can provide for you and I what God intended his spirit to supply. We cannot expect to grow where the river doesn't flow. It's interesting that God chose to describe the spirit in our lives as a river and not a pond. It's not the pond of life. A river flows, it comes and it goes. A pond is stagnant. The spirit of God in our lives isn't meant for us alone but to begin with us and then to bring life to everything we touch. By the Spirit of God at work in us, we are called to bring life, to bring hope, to bring light wherever we go and to whomever God sends us. There's a song I'd like to read. It's an old hymn by David Sapp and Max Sapp. Verse 1. There was a thirsty woman who was drawing from a well. Her life was ruined and wasted, and her soul was bound for hell. But then she met the master who told of her great sin. He said, if you'll drink this water, you'll never thirst again. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water. There is a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. Can I read the second verse? There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled their hearts with singing and it gave them peace within. The prophet gave this promise. The spirit will descend and from your inner being a river with no end. There is a river that flows from God above. There is a fountain that's filled with his great love. Come to this water. There is a vast supply. There is a river 
that never shall run dry. By the Spirit of God at work in us, we are called to bring life. We are called to bring hope, to bring light wherever we go and to whomever God sends us. Again, hope is not for us alone. It is for all those whom God will call to hope in the same hope that we have. The river of life is not for us alone. It is for all those whom God intends the river to touch. When we say hope grows here, it's only as true as much as hope grows in you. When we're saying hope grows here, it's only as true as much as hope is alive and growing in you. Church, it's easy to despair. It's easy to fear. When it seems like everything is collapsing, it's easy to take our eyes off of the Savior. But our role here is to be the one with outstretched arm who holds the hope to say that God does have a plan. God does have a future. If it can't be found in His presence, we are without hope. Does that mean we have to do it in our own strength? No. That's why we need the river. That's why we need to come to the water to get into the presence of God, to receive that hope, to establish that hope, and for hope to grow in our lives. Our calling is to live with hope and to bring hope to a hopeless world. The hope that we hold is found only in His presence. Therefore, His presence is the only place our hope can grow. So our commitment is to hope and our commitment is to the presence of God because hope grows here. Now, if after hearing this message, you would say, honestly, I need help in this area, and you're here and you're listening to me, and, and you would say, you would pray, Lord, I need my hope restored. Lord, I need you to restore my hope. I need your presence. I invite you to stand so we can pray together. You have heard this word, but for too long you have been bound and isolated by fear and worry. You have allowed the voice of the world to be the dominant voice in your heart, and your heart's desire is that the voice of Scripture, the voice of the Holy Spirit, would be a renewed focus in your heart and mind so that your hope could be restored. I invite you to stand. We can pray. Secondly, if you know the blessing of the presence of God, but for whatever reason have turned to the world to find comfort, to find hope, and your desire is to repent and turn again to God's presence to fulfill you, to restore you, to make you whole, to set you free, and you want to come back to this river, would you stand so we can pray together?
presence, God. I pray for your people, Lord. We all pray together. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you birth hope again? Would you take them so deep in the river of your presence that it overflows and overwhelms them to a place where their hope is on you, their eyes are fixed on you. For those facing circumstances of despair, of hopelessness, of worry, and of fear, we bind up all those things and cast them away from us now in Jesus' name because, Lord, you have made a way where there was no way. And we can now place our hope in you and believe you for what you will do because of what you've already done. We love that word in the scripture that says, guaranteed. We thank you for the blessed deposit. And we now hope again for what is to come. Though the earth be removed, God is our fortress and our refuge. In him we have strength. In him we have hope. And this hope is not for us alone, but Lord, restore hope in such a way to your people that it would overflow and touch lives. To a generation that is looking to us for some semblance of hope. Let us have a reason for the hope that we have. In Jesus' name.